on our feet. Yeah, what else can we be grateful for? A body. A body, good. God gave us a body. What else can we be thankful for? Food and water. Food and water, good. So you guys get the idea of what we need to be thankful for. Do we need to do it just one day a year? No. No? How can we show that we're thankful if we do it every day? Are we eating turkeys every day? What are we doing? Kind. We're being kind to each other. Are we serving one another with love? Yeah. Yeah? What are some other ways we can be thankful and show our thankfulness? You don't know? Okay. Well, since the kids didn't know, I guess it's up for the adults to show us how to be thankful, right? So we challenge all of our adults in our congregation to be thankful for the things in their lives and to show thanksgiving to others. You think they can do it? I think they can do it. Yeah? Yes. All right. So let's pray real quick. You ready? Dear Father in heaven, we love you so, so much. And we are so thankful that you love us back. You loved us first and you prepared the way for us by sending Jesus Christ the Messiah. Help us to enter Advent with a thankful heart, Father, to remember all that you have done for us and help us to share your love with the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, we do have much to be thankful for. And uh, in fact, you know, this uh, Thanksgiving Day that we are, Thanksgiving Sunday that we're, as you're going to hear, we're going to sing a lot of Thanksgiving songs. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Uh, but we have so much to be thankful for. And, um, you know, it's so easy to take things for granted. I know that I don't... Uh, I'm not like when I turn the light switch on, I don't go, wow, look at there, the lights came on. Wow, that's greater. You know, open the refrigerator door and go, wow, look, I got food in there. Or, or turn the water tap and go, wow, this is wonderful, we got running water. And, and you know, nowadays we just, we've become so uh, fortunate, really, we've become the, the most... Um, receiving generation we live better actually this is hard for some of us to accept but we live better than any generation before us and right now if you live in the United States you probably live better than 90% of the world's population I know it's hard for us to believe that but that's the truth but unfortunately we're not the most thankful even though we have become this people that we are the uh, before we go to the Lord in prayer, you know, I want to, to be us to really think about the things that James said to be thankful for water because there are people who don't have fresh water that can't access electricity, that don't turn the tap on because there's no tap. There are people that, that are living in uh, great challenging con conditions. And we could very easily point at God and say, why do you let people live that way? And, and He would probably point to our trash bins and go, how come you have the most garbage in the world and you're only 6% of the population? Why don't you share a little bit of more stuff that you have with other people? And one way, and I'm very thankful 
that we have done that in the most recent is through Operation uh, Christmas Child. And I just want to thank you. There are 28 boxes that are going to go and they're going to uh, be received by 28 children that some of them, for them, it'll be the first time they ever had their own anything. The first gift that they ever received. And being where they drop off, the last count we had that we've had 228 boxes uh, that will leave from this area here and go to other parts of the world and bless other people. And we need to be, you know, there, there, it's like $9 for box shipping and, and it does cost to fill the box. But we should be so thankful that we're the people that are able to do this kind of thing. And thankful for the ones who not only will receive these gifts, but they'll also receive a message about the greatest gift that any of us can receive, and that's the forgiveness Jesus Christ has purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. So we have much to be thankful for. We're, we're thankful for our nation. We're thankful for breath in our lungs. We're thankful that Jesus is the Messiah. And all the promises of God are ours in Christ Jesus. We're thankful that we know what truth is and, and what light is. And, and that we know what love is because God loved us while we were God's enemies. And, and we're thankful that we even know what justice is. And that anyone on the side of justice is on the side of God. And God is the author of truth and justice. And so in our nation, we're thankful that if we were born here, we had nothing to do with it, but we're thankful that we happen to be born in a nation, a republic, that, that believes that there are inalienable rights that come from God. We're not a communist nation. We're not a nation under some other uh, religion that, that doesn't offer these freedoms that we have been so blessed and thankful to be recipients of and we're thankful again that the election isn't over and righteousness and truth we pray will prevail whatever happened we do we're people that want you know we don't like to be cut in line if, if we're standing in line and somebody else cut in line before us and we don't want to be cheated out of anything so we all can agree we want righteousness and justice and truth and light to prevail and we have that in Christ Jesus. We also pray. And we pray for uh, the upright baby. We pray for Barbara Mars, for Toya Hopper, Wanda Mitchell. We pray for our military. We pray for our local leaders, our law enforcement agencies, our local government officials, and and our uh, national and state government officials, you know, really they're the ones that's supposed to work for we the people. But we're grateful that we have this, again, this republic that we live in. We pray for Barbara McCormick and Richard Holroyd. For our Sunday school teachers and everybody that makes it possible for us to worship here. For those who came before us. And they fought the good fight. And they weren't able, they weren't willing to give up. Because, you know, it'd be easy just to give up and compromise. But, you know, to fight the good fight. We're thankful for, for every red-blooded American who loves freedom and justice and holiness and righteousness. 
And who loves God and who loves the gifts that God has given us? Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful to know you, to know your word and to have your word in a language we can understand, to have it on tape if we can't read it, to see it on video. There's so many great teachings that are available in so many forms of media and we are so thankful for the Holy Spirit who who dwells within us, who gives us understanding that would be impossible if it were not for the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. We thank you for the greatest act of love that humanity knows. We thank you that you are the heart satisfier. And we are blessed to be recipients of everything that you've done for us in Christ Jesus. We thank you, you are still the purveyor of justice and truth. Lord, we pray for all those who would, would fight the good fight for justice and truth and righteousness and equality and all the, all the things that we esteem to be noble and good because you have placed those things in our hearts as being noble and good, although we often fail to live up to them. We are grateful for your patience, for your love, and that you still heal people. We are grateful for the doctors and nurses in the hospitals, for the firefighters, for all who even do everything they do in our cities, our teachers, those who pick up our trash for us, those, Lord, who make sure we have running water and electricity. We are grateful for our farmers and the great harvest that we've seen this year and those who help store it and see that it becomes distributed. Lord, we are grateful for grocery stores and being able to go to places where the shelves are full. And Lord, we pray for those who don't have, that we would have hearts as we come into this Advent season and as we prepare for Christmas, that we would be great givers this year, that we would go beyond what we've ever done before in giving to those who have the least. We praise you for giving to us. And now let us pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Come ye thankful
together, followed by Let All Things Now Living.
Gracious God, for all the gifts that you have made ours, for the offerings, for the tithes, and for those, Lord, that you give us unexpectedly, we are so grateful. We ask that you'll help us to continue to be good stewards with everything that you've given, that you may receive all the glory in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen, and you may be seated. Well, thank you again for your patience. I, um, I know that uh, things uh, may never be the same, and for some that is good. <laughs> some things that's not it's so good, but uh, we are definitely living in days of change. Uh, we uh, know that um, there is coming a greater change. We don't know exactly when that is, but we know that one day earth time will be over as we know it because Christ is coming back. In fact, Advent, as we begin next week, is the coming. It means coming, and you know, it's supposed to keep us focused on the, not only the first that we're about to celebrate, but on the second coming that is much sooner than when we began celebrating. But again, Jesus came as a baby in the manger, went to the cross for us, ascended, and when He comes back, He's coming back as Christ the King over every nation, over every tongue, over every people, and He's given us this time for us to be able to share this wonderful good news with those around us. Uh, I'm going to mention this one more time. I won't do it again. I know for you that are here with us, this is a... But we do have folks, hopefully, that are listening on the radio, and we want them to call because uh, I, I think I told you the story of... There was a Christian radio station in Minneapolis that had just started, and myself and another friend, we were laying carpet in an apartment. We were listening to that Christian radio music, and they were giving away free tickets for a meal to the 17th caller. I happened to be right next to the phone, so I dialed the number, and I'm caller number three. So I hung up, and I hit redial, and I'm caller number five. And I hung up and I redial and all of a sudden I'm number six. Call, hang on, seven, eight, nine, you know, and by the, I, I, there could have only been probably three people calling and I was caller number 17. But it's good for us to hear from you. Whether you're a member of our church or whether you're a guest, we need to hear from you. We need to know that you, if you can't be here with us, in presence, uh, in the pews with us, worshiping the Lord together, that you are with us there at home. And so I'm going to give you the number again, and, and I want you to make it your mission to call us. If we're not here, just leave a message saying, we heard you on the radio, thank you. 989-2732. 989-2732, fifth caller gets a bass boat. Come on, where's the laughter? There are people here, they're just not laughing. Yeah. Our scripture this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. For those of you who have your Bibles, you need to look it up. For those of us that are here, it's on the screen. And I will read it. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Now thanks be to God 
who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. I'll read it again. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. You know, this is quite a profound uh, statement of Paul. It's not the first place he tells us to give thanks. There are other places here. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18, he says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But if you... If you read the litany of Paul in Corinthians, the 11th chapter, Paul tells that Corinthians everything he suffered for Christ. And there's this litany of his suffering. He was left stoned. He was stoned, left for dead. He was persecuted. He, he spent a day and a night in the sea. He spent time in prison. He spent time hungry. He spent time thirsty. He spent time... Uh, uh, forsaken and rejected. I mean, he, he suffered greatly for Jesus. And yet he could say that now thanks be to God who leads us, always leads us triumphantly in Christ. There are actually 138 uh, passages in the Scripture that are admonishing us to give thanks to God. Psalm 136.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For He is good. Psalm 92.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to His name, O Most High. And then there's this Psalm 107 that's quite lengthy. And it tells about folks in, in difficult situations and how the Lord brings them out of it. And, and then five times He repeats in there, Oh, that people would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. But why is giving thanks to God good? Is it because God has an ego problem and He needs to hear creatures saying thank you? Or is it, does it somehow earn us extra points if the more we give thanks, I've got to get my give thanks in at least five a day because I've been grumbling for most of my life. So I better, you know, I heard this, the accent of hell is grumbling. It will be an eternal grumble of agony and pain and regret for those who had opportunity to have their sins forgiven through Christ Jesus and they chose not to. And heaven's accent will be filled with thanksgiving because people, everyone in heaven's going to go, wow, this is so much more than we ever anticipated. Our minds could not conceive of the wonders and the glory and the majesty and the beauty and what life really is. And we're going to be experiencing this forever and every morning is new mercy and every morning is excitement and there's no pain and no agony and, and everyone there is going to be thankful because no one there will feel like, well, I did really good to get here. They're going to, everyone there is going to go, wow, what a gift. Thank you for opening my eyes to it. Thank you for opening my heart to it. I, I just, uh, I, we never deserve this. 
gosh, the angels are praising you. Everybody's here. It's, it's just, wow, they're glorious in their glory that you have given them because you're so glorious and so great. You know, it's wonderful how much God loves us. I know there's this Middle Eastern saying that, you know, people are going to have gifts during Thanksgiving. I hope you do. I hope your family doesn't say, ah, oh, we can't get together because we might spread mononucleosis or, you know, we might spread whatever. You know, I hope we can get together because God made us for communion and communion is when we come together in union. Uh, but I hope you can. But, you know, we don't want people to stay over three days. The Middle Eastern say, you know, fish like guests begin to stink after three days. And we don't want them to be here after three days. We'd like to get our home back. But God loves us so much, He's inviting us to stay with Him for eternity. That's a pretty great thing to give thanks for. But the reason we need to give thanks is because we've got this ailment. Because the greatest act of ingratitude took place in the Garden of Eden, which Eden means delight. For rather than being thankful for all that God had given Adam and Eve, you know, God said to them, listen, it's all yours. You can eat from every tree. It's all yours. You, you rule over it. It's all yours. There's just one thing I'm asking you because I'm God and you're not. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know the story. The serpent convinced them that God was holding out something good. And because of their act of ingratitude, you and I suffer headaches and belly aches and ticks and being born on this earth that is not the garden of delight. In fact, every time I hear a siren or an emergency sound, or there's something goes wrong, we know we're living in the valley of the shadow of death, even though there are, there are reasons to give thanks. There are good things that happen to us. This is nothing, nothing compared to what God has laid up for those who love Him. And so we have to, we have to instruct our children to give thanks because it doesn't come natural. We have to be told in God's Word to give thanks because it is not a natural act. You see, breathing is a natural act. Nobody has to tell me to breathe. But honestly, if we weren't instructed, if we weren't told to give thanks, we wouldn't. Because I'm telling you, no matter how good our grandchildren and children are, Whatever you give them, if, you know, they don't go, Oh, thank you, Mommy, for those green beans. Oh, thank you for that food. Oh, oh, thank you for... You know, it's not my favorite, but I know it's nutritional and good for me, so I'm going to eat it, Mommy, because I know that you only give me good things. That's not the way we find our children. Uh, they're just like us. They come with an, a natural heart of ingratitude. And, you know, it takes them a long time to realize that the... And we have a good way of spoiling them, rotten, you know. Uh, to, but none, nonetheless, it takes them a while to realize the world doesn't really spin around them. And though God loves them, God's plan is not just around their life. God has invited them into His plan. And He's invited us into His plan. But God loves them superly. But God also loves these other people superly. And if we love God, we want to fall in line with God's plan for us. 
So I've learned that whatever God instructs us to do, it's good medicine for us because it deals with the heart. And the heart of our problem is the problem of our heart. The elderly man who only had two teeth was grateful that the two teeth met together when he ate. And Will Rogers said we should be grateful that we really don't get all the government that our taxes are paying for. You guys are... Hello? Now we need a sign that says laugh. Every now and then, at least smile. And prayer, if prayer is the attitude of self-sufficiency, you know, if I, people that, don't, that think they can do it all don't need to pray. But we pray when we're in crisis, but if we realize how much we really need the Lord in everything, we'll pray always, as the Bible tells us to, with thanksgiving, and invite God to help us to be our best in every situation and circumstance that we have. I'll tell you something. If people had known what the election was going to turn out, there would have been more people here praying that Monday night that we had the prayer meeting for our election service, I'll tell you. But prayer is the antidote to self-sufficiency and giving thanks is the antidote for entitlement. The idea that I deserve this. We live again in a generation that has more than any other generation before us, but we're not the most thankful. In fact, someone penned, Lord, bless us according to our thanklessness. For if you blessed us according to our thankfulness, we might starve. Paul lived this life of thanksgiving in spite of all his great suffering. And today is that day, Christ the King Sunday, and it's Thanksgiving Sunday because Thursday is Thanksgiving, and I am so thankful that we have a nation that still honors and sets aside one day to be thankful, even though many of the people in the United States don't know who to be thankful to. At least we still have it as a national holiday. It is the after effect of Christianity being uh, influencing our government for, for whoever said religion and politics don't mix don't know anything about religion or politics to be honest with you because all of our laws are moral laws that are to protect the individual right and to protect our nation as a whole and they're good and just we don't live them right but they're good and just. But the Thanksgiving story that I want to share with you about comes from Heather D. Coner, and I'm thankful that William Bradford wasn't able to text, that he actually journaled, and we still have his journal to find out some of the historical facts of Thanksgiving. But we know the, the story starts with the pilgrims who believed, honestly, that Christ was their king rather than King James of England. King James I. In fact, they were called separatists because they initially, under William Bradford's leadership, they, they didn't like the, the, uh, the government. King James was the, the leader of their religion, the Lutheran religion, the, the religion of England. And they didn't want to be told how they could worship, so they actually went to Amsterdam first. And they got to Amsterdam in Holland, and after spending the time there, they were afraid that their children were being uh, influenced by the, the temptations of the world in Amsterdam back in uh, 1618. And so they had heard about this new settlement in the New World, 
And the story goes, in 1620, in September, they boarded a ship called the Mayflower and 102 congregants set out on a 3,000-mile, two-month, storm-tossed journey only to land a hundred miles, hundreds of miles north of where they're originally intended to in a place near what we call Cape Cod. And before disembarking, they constructed the Mayflower Compact. Unprepared for the frigid New England winter, they hastily constructed shelters to endure the harsh winter. But the pilgrims were only one part of the Thanksgiving story. There's another character in the Thanksgiving story that we don't really say much about, but his name was Squanto. And a guy named Eric Metaxas did a book about Squanto, and he gives us this information. Eric Metaxas also did one about Martin Luther. He's actually a very scholarly author, and he researched this well about Squanto, but wrote it in the form of a children's story, so I would be able to understand it and share it with you. He said that Squanto, back in about 1618, at that time there were ships from uh, Europe that were trying to trade with the Indians and they would trade trinkets and things for furs and Squanto and his his young braves were out fishing near the bay when a ship came by and this ship was actually looking for slaves and they took Squanto and his other buddies with him and they went all the way to Malaga Spain and they there's a slave market there and they sold Squanto on on the slave market and there just happened to be a ministry among the Catholic monks who were against slavery, who would do all they could to purchase every slave possible, bring them into the monastery, teach them their language, teach them about Jesus the Lord, feed them, teach them how to do other trades. They would become part of the monastery. And after five years, Squanto was sent to England to a Christian family who allowed him to live there. He learned English. He was growing up to be a young man there. And uh, within five years, he was hired by a British company as an interpreter to go back to, the United, to America and to work as an interpreter between the ship and the Indians they would be tra trading with. And after Squanto had finished his contract, he left the ship and made his way back to his village only to find out that his whole village had been wiped out by a plague. You know, one thing the Europeans brought to the Native Americans was diseases that they were unfamiliar with, viruses that they were unfamiliar with. And Providence had it that that's what happened to Squanto's uh, now, let me say Providence didn't have it. That's the way things happen in a fallen world. And Squanto's uh, village was wiped out. So he, he aligned himself with a neighboring tribe. And in the spring of 1621, after that rugged winter, only 55 of the, the 102 people that came over on the Mayflower had survived. And in April, Captain Christopher Jones 
was going to set sail to return to England and much to his dismay, not one pilgrim returned with him. It was also in that spring that Squanto had heard about these white skins who had arrived, who had arrived very near the place of his former village and he went to go and find them out. And we know the story that Squanto was very instrumental in teaching the pilgrims how to plant corn, how to catch lobsters, how to hunt in that part of the area, and how to eventually reap a bountiful harvest that year. You know, I read a, a post in Facebook, and it kind of went like this. I'm paraphrasing it different, but it went like this. It's... The, the person posted it said, if, I had, if it had been up to me, I would have never let Joseph, remember Joseph who, who suffered in prison before he eventually became second to Pharaoh and kept the people from going through that famine that he made sure there was a reserve. He said, if I had been, been there when Joseph, and if I had been able, I would have rescued him out of that suffering, but I would have also robbed Egypt and that people from someone who could have the wisdom to get them through the situation they faced years later. If I'd have been David, if I'd have been there with David, I would have rescued him from Saul. Saul persecuted David tremendously. And David had to hide in caves and, and be away from his family and away from others because King Saul was determined to kill him. But it was during those times that David gave us some of the best psalms that we have today. And if we would have kept him from that persecution, we would have robbed Israel from their most holy king. If I would have been there, I wouldn't have allowed Esther to be raised by her uncle. Evidently, her family wasn't able to raise her, whether it death or whatever it was, poverty, but, but I wouldn't have allowed her to be raised by her uncle and then abducted into the king's harem to become the queen whose intervention actually saved her people from annihilation. If it had been up to me, I would have pulled Jesus off the cross, unable to bear the unspeakable agony that He would go through in order to become the Savior of the world. You know, we, we don't like suffering. We don't want to be a part of it, and we don't wish it on anybody. But we have to learn to trust that whatever we experience in life, that if we trust in God, we know He knows what's going on, and He's got a better plan and a bigger plan. And whatever it is that we're experiencing at the time, it'll be nothing in reality to the blessings that we will receive from having just followed Him. In early December, we in Bradford called for a celebrated feast to thank the Lord, quote, for the seasonable showers that through His blessings we have reaped a fruitful and bountiful harvest for which mercy we set apart a day of thanksgiving. Through Squanto, the Massasoit chief of the Wampanago Indians, with 90 braves and five freshly slaughtered deer, joined them. History tells us the feast continued for two more days. 
They played football. <laughs> no, they didn't. That's a joke. But they had a good time together, which resulted in a 55-year peace treaty. Squanto died in 1622. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. I'm so thankful for everyone who thought that Christ was King, that they thought this new place would be a place for them to worship the Lord in spirit and truth, unregulated by the government, that they thought that everyone was created in God's image and that there were certain inalienable rights that only God gave, not government, only God gave. And we've experienced the result of their commitment to their Lord for over 200 years. Yes, there were other people who were deists who didn't really believe in Christ as Lord. And we're thankful for everybody who's made contribution to give us what we have today. But ultimately, Caesar ain't king. King James ain't king. Nobody else is king but Jesus. And that's what our founding fathers and mothers believed. And they were willing to stake their lives, their properties, their hearts forever on that. And we need every red-blooded American who loves the Lord to pray for our nation. And not to compromise and not to give up. And to be faithful to righteousness and truth. And here's the way we want. We want righteousness and truth and justice and holiness and mercy and goodness to prevail. And by God's grace it will. If we've received Christ as our King and we know Him, we know the One who died for our sins, the greatest gift of humanity. Andre Crouch wrote, How can I say thanks for all the things you've done for me? The voices of a million angels cannot express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be I owe it all to you. To God be the glory in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Join together singing, Now Thank We All Our God.
we thank You again for Your steadfast love, for every promise that is ours in Christ Jesus. We have been blessed and we are so grateful. May our hearts overflow with gratitude so that others in the world would know where our thankfulness comes. We praise You, Lord, and we love You, but not as much as You love us. And we're here for Your pleasure. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Thank <laughs> you.